Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at the Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. I want to continue and finish what was um, being taught last Wednesday. And I want to once again say thank you for your moral support, for your spiritual support, uh, for your encouragement, for your understanding using kingdom principles of taking what God has uh, given us here in this house and allowing me to go out and preach some other places. This month, we're doing some sewing. Uh, leave out to actually our, our daughter Hannah and, and Austin get married Friday night and then I'll jump on a plane Saturday and, and fly to California and preach revival services there, come back and then go to California. So we'll be from to what's the other place Washington DC we'll be from coast to coast coast to coast there but I feel like I honestly feel like I know it's hard for some people to comprehend and to grasp but I truly believe that God has given us some spread on America on the nation of America I don't have time I don't even know that I have the vulnerability inside of me uh, you can take people like James uh, that has walked with me uh, for years and knows my heart Joel Matt a lot of these folks and here's some people that we carry there's something about America inside of us and there's a uh, there's a desire to see a revival in America we believe uh, the title of the book that uh, Leonard Ravenhill wrote America is too young to die too young to die an American needs I'm hoping to get at least one amen out there. Those of you online with us, thank you very much. They are here right now. Uh, I believe this stuff. I'm going to live it. Whether you go or don't go is not up to me. We're going after it. We're going to go after the presence of God. We're going to be like the people of God since the days of John the Baptist. The kingdom of heaven sat in pews and argued over what color the carpet would be. I don't think so. They advanced the kingdom. They went after it, and they, they snatched people out of the pits of fire. They, they saved souls. They rescued people. Uh, they glorified God. They went into high places, and they, they saw the glory of God. We're going to move forward, amen? We're going to move forward. And I think we're moving in that direction, uh, but it takes, it takes the aspect of, of um, that the word enthusiasm is actually a Greek word that is eno, uh, which is meant to be spent on God. Your enthusiasm, your enthusiasm is meant to be spent on God. But I guarantee if you did a, a survey in America, majority of our enthusiasm is on exercise and ball games and, and shopping and, and whatever. Some people are too tired to go to church on Wednesday night because they put their enthusiasm, their energy into something else. God gave you that breath. God gave us that heart. God gave us uh, that spirit. It's in him that we live and move and have our being, and we need to press into God, amen, amen. and go after him. Great things are happening. Extraordinary things are happening. Uh, though I'm carrying something in my heart. I'm not going to preach it tonight. I want to be faithful to carry out the word the Lord has given me, uh, but we're living in a season of no more postponement. God is fulfilling things. God is completing things. God is finishing things. It's Ezekiel chapter 12. You can go read it sometime. He said, what is this proverb? He said, I'm going to put that to rest. When God says he's putting something to rest, he means I'm slaying it. I'm killing it. It's done. It's not going to happen anymore. And the, 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 the visions are for a latter time or for a later date. He said, no, everything's for now. You are living in the greatest days yet. And God's going to fulfill things. I'll give you a couple. This... Uh, Past week, Gretchen and I were shopping for something, I believe, for the wedding. Or I don't know what it was. And I got a, a text. A dear friend of mine texted me, uh, Pastor Rusty Nelson. And he texted me and asked me if uh, he and I could get together and talk sometime. 
I said, sure. And we tried to figure out a time. Neither schedule would work out. I said, what about now? So we just called and we talked. And he invited us to be his guest to Revive Summit, which is what our revision is, is what they have in Huntsville there. If anybody doesn't know the history here, we were connected with the rock. We are planted out of the rock. We grew out of that. We transitioned out of that. And he said, Greg, he said, you came to me five years ago to try to bridge the gap between us, to try to heal that. You met with me. He said, I did not respond correctly. He says, various words. He then invited me to come. He said, I want to apologize for that. So we showed up in Huntsville, and we're at first time we'd been in worship together. You, you don't know the depth of our relationship. I mean, our relationship is very, very deep. It's a God knitting that God did together. And in front of his sanctuary, in his congregation there, he made it public. He said, I apologize for these last five years of the separation that is there. Friends, that humility released a grace over that house and over this house. We're working on a date to get him here, to come into this house. We're going to honor him. We're going to love on him. We're going to bless he and Lisa. We're going to, we're going to, God is doing something in the church. It's a fulfillment. It's a fulfillment. Now, I'm, I'm giving you the short change out of that. But the reality is, when leaders do stuff like that, guess what? We're leading. That means there's other people that most likely have things that they need to break through. With a neighbor, with somebody in the other seated area of the church. If you walk into church, you look where somebody's sitting, you go sit somewhere else because they're sitting over there. You need to go over there and sit down next to them and say, hey, I, got, I just got to ask you something. Would you forgive me? You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to hash it out. You need to live it out. Are you with me? Fulfillment. God wants to restore all things. He's getting ready to restore his church. He's getting ready to restore uh, uh, his plans and his purposes for his people. Amen? You're not living in a day of postponement, so don't postpone things. If God says it's not a day of postponement, you're like, yeah, that's, that's good for you. Hey, what's good for God is good for you. You can goose and gander all you want, but what's good for God is good for you. If God said, I'm not postponing, then stop postponing. Amen? Let's go for it. Let's press into it. Turn with me to exec executive. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. We left off last week where Moses said, please show me your glory. He did not say, prove to me that you're glorious. He said, please show me that. Let's beseech the Lord. Let's entreat the Lord. Uh, let's approach the Lord, and let's ask God to show us the same God that we read about in the Bible. Amen? Or maybe the God that you've experienced before in your life. God is a glorious God. So he said, I will make, in verse 9, he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will make all my goodness. Well, the word goodness is mercy and charity. Could you imagine all of God's mercy... I don't know about you, but it's so sweet in the morning when I rise up in the morning. It's proved to me that even though I didn't feel it, even though I couldn't see it while I was sleeping, whether it's a three-hour night or a nine-hour night, whichever one you sleep, he had to be doing something for that mercy to be there. Did you hear me? He had to be doing And he made a covenant that it would be that way with the sun. At the rising of every day where there's a sun, 
That's God working in the midst of it. He's still moving. Whether you know or not, listen to this. In him, you live and move and have your being. You don't realize it, but where you stand, the earth is orbiting. And it's only orbiting for one reason. Because God's moving it. Because he said, the sun will rise every day. And it will set every day. And from the rising to the setting, his name ought to be praised. Which verifies that everything that have breath, praise the Lord. You see, you're in the movement of God right now. Although you can't feel it, he's still working. I'm giving you an example. As, as the earth is orbiting, how many of y'all know it is? You can't feel it, but he's still working. And this is how sure the word of God is. You're standing on his word right now. You say, no, that's carpet. That's concrete. You go find out where they got the materials to get that. You dig down a little bit deeper. He spoke the earth into existence, and it's still here. Still here. Did you hear me? It's still here. Oh, I hope that you'd want to know God. Then he said, I will make all my goodness, my charity, my mercy, the quality of being morally good or virtuous, excellence. He said, I will make all of my excellence. I'll make all of my good morality. I'll make all of my virtue, my high excellence, my knowledge. I will let it all pass before you, is what he said. Why? Simply because Moses said, show me your glory. You mean to tell me there's more? I mean to tell us there is more. Look at your neighbor and say more. There's more of God than what we've experienced. So he goes on, he says, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. You know how powerful it is when you say the name of Jesus. You know how powerful it is when you say Elohim or El Shaddai or Yahweh. I reached over to Gretchen, I think it was Sunday morning. I, I said, do you think they know what they're saying when they say Yahweh? The self-existing God. He needs none other. There is no other. There is none. As you're saying, there is none beside you. There's not even any that are close enough to beside him. He's that big. He's that great. He's that self-sufficient. And that's the same one we're asking for when we say show your glory is to self-manifest yourself. It did not say that God, anybody rolled God in. It said God moved in and there's a cloud around him. He doesn't need anybody. But everybody needs him. Amen? So he says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Kind of like the same as the rain on the just and the unjust. We don't determine and tell him what he does and what he can't do, who he shouldn't and who he shouldn't do. He's God. He's no respecter of persons. There is not a person on the face of the earth that he loves any more than you. No one. He said, but he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. Now, that's a very uh, uh, challenging passage of Scripture if you really took time to study it out. Because I could take you to six places where they said they saw God. They literally saw God. But not his face. You can see the glory of God. You can see the cloud. You can see the brightness. But you cannot see his face and live. He was letting him see everything 
but the depth of everything. In other words, there's so much more behind this. There's so much more to this. So it's a true statement when God said, if you see my face, you can't make it. But others have seen God. God is spirit. God is not a face like your face and my face. God is not as cute as you when it comes to human faces. But he made you as beautiful as you are. There's a face behind your face. You need to seek God in spirit and in truth. And the challenge is we don't as often as we should. So often we seek him in a religious atmosphere. We seek him in a religious, studious mindset. But we need to learn to seek him, to see him not with these eyes, but to see him in his presence and in the spirit. That your spirit begats spirit. You and I need, listen to me, write this down somewhere and go on the journey. We need to become more spiritual. What is spiritual is more real than what is natural. But majority of our spiritual journey with God is a natural inclination to grab this, do this, be there, do that. But we need to have a time that we seek him in spirit. Here's the other thing that's important. It's truth. Truth is truth. But it's truth, truth to you. What do you mean by that? Well, truth is truth. What he says is true. But if you don't believe it, that truth is not truth to you. Because you're saying, I don't believe it, so it must be a lie. Only you can determine whether that truth is going to be truth to you. And only the truth sets you free. Well, I know that this would set me free, but I don't want to do it, then it's not truth to you. If only the truth will set you free. Well, I think this will set me free. He said, no, no, only the truth will set you free. But I'm going to try this. But no, no, only the truth sets you free. And you start getting further and further away because you keep trying different things. And you start getting over here, and you're not just literally going, he's still working. His mercy. I'm I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm born again. I'm washed in the blood. Sometimes we don't think the blood is enough. We don't even go to the blood. We go to everything else to forgive us and to cleanse us. We have to seek him in truth. Are you with me? He goes on to say, but you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. Verse 21. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. Hmm. That's always an established place by God. And if God puts you on a rock, it's a very firm rock. Uh, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no concrete company in town going to buy that rock. You know what I'm saying? If they did, they're going to have to buy a new backhoe. They're going to have to buy more dynamite because it ain't going to work. It's a sure place. He, he wants you and I to find a sure place by him. He wants you to have assurance. He doesn't want you wavering to and fro. He doesn't want you imbalanced and uncertain highs and lows. He wants you established on the sure foundation. And we know that the rock next to him now is Jesus. In other words, what he's saying in this passage of scripture, I want you to be as close to me. You got to finish your own line to get to understand as Jesus was. Or as Jesus is. What an invitation. What an invitation. That Jesus would want you. Now you say, well that means I get to do everything Jesus did. No, Jesus already did everything Jesus did. 
You need to be who he created you to be. My wife is one of the best Jesuses I've met, but she doesn't do what I do. And Jesus never was a wife, but the Christ in her makes her a great wife to me. You follow what I'm saying? And I see Jesus in her. But she's not out comparing herself or competing with somebody else. Now, this has been in my spirit a lot late. I'm just going to say it again. Men have a tendency to compete. Women have a tendency to compare. But when men start to compete, they end up comparing. And when women are comparing, they end up competing. Are you with me? But when you've got Jesus, you're satisfied. All my fountains are in you. Nothing satisfies me like you do. Amen? So God is inviting you as a son or a daughter, as an heir of his throne, of his presence. Just like he said, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Now the rock of all ages is seated at the right hand of God the Father, but he was there before the world began. He was there. Are you with me? And so he's saying, come on up here, and I want you to be to me like Jesus is to me. Moses, I want to be your father. Moses, I want you to be my son. Moses, I want you in this close proximity. Hopefully, that would do something inside of you. It would be my desire, my burning desire, for do something to stir something inside of you to say, could I possibly get closer? I was at um, the event Monday night, and they introduced somebody who was there, and his name was Leonard. And I reached over to Gretchen, and I said, Gretchen, that's Leonard Jones. I had not seen him in years. He's 70-something years old. He's a great guitar player. He was with Morningstar for years, and he was visiting that weekend. And he made a statement. It was, it was pretty profound. He said he was very ill and, and, and just seeking the Lord and, and uh, um, realized that he didn't know him like he thought he knew him. And so he wrote a song out of that. But he made a scriptural reference he said the Apostle Paul, in his early season with Jesus, he said, I'm the chief apostle. But in his latter ministry, he said, I'm a chief sinner. <laughs> so he got somewhere down the line and thought, I don't know him like I thought I knew him. Now, when a 70-year-old person starts saying stuff like that, you got to stop when you're, you're young and young, 50 Nine-year-old self. Well, you're going to find out that Moses is finding out, I don't know you like I thought I knew you. Because just a chapter earlier, Moses said, I talk to God like a man talks to a man face to face. <laughs> well, God's not like a man. <laughs> That's where you got to look at that scripture and go, ooh. But then he finds out, you can't even see my face, but you talk, you're talking to my face. Now I'm going to pass by you, and all you're going to see is my behind, my backside. But God's not a man like we're a man. So we can't seek him like he's a man. We need to seek him like he's God in spirit. We need to speak him as, seek him as if he's truth. Anything Jesus said, anything Jesus did is truth. It's established truth. And that's all you need to be free. That is all you need. To be complete is grace and truth. You see, the grace of God 
is the extension of God. It's the goodness of God. Mercy comes out of grace. Compassion comes out of grace. It's the divine movement of God. We need to draw nearer and closer to God. We're talking about, listen, and we're asking this thing. As a staff, we're asking, Lord, how do we host your presence? We can't host it with an attitude. We can't host it with unforgiveness. We can't host it with, uh, with lust and, and love for money. We can't host it uh, in, in, in the nature, that has con- nature of man that has conflict with the Spirit of God. We, we must get our lives more Christ-like to host his presence. Amen? And some of that is just having the proper perspective and pursuit. This is all based upon what Moses desired of God that God desired for Moses to have. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. So we're talking about his glory. Watch this. And the Lord said, here is a place by me. You shall stand on the rock. So it shall be, so it shall be, while my glory passes by. So now we see that his glory, is, it, it can move. It has movement. It has activity. That means there must be life. There's, there's power in the midst of it. There's, there's essence in the midst of it. It says, while my glory passes by, then I will put you in the cleft of the rock. The stronger the glory, the deeper you get with the rock. From standing on it to being hidden in him, in the cleft of the rock. He said that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Could you imagine? Just for a moment, just think this way with me for a moment. Instead of the providing hand of God, the covering hand of God. Where would you rather spend your life? The hand that provides because we're still associated with it, or the hand that covers. When the hand that covers the glory, all that you need is there. You, you, listen, when you're in the glory of God, you will not notice you miss dinner. Because you're in the glory, you're now in the eternal atmosphere, and your temporal system is out of touch. When you're in the glory of God, you won't be jealous. You won't be bitter. You, you won't. Everything is there. We don't want to just be the hand that feeds us. But we want to find the place with the hand that covers us. Now, is every day in the glory like that? I don't think so. I really don't think so. But there is a place. There's a place to be in his glory. Can your life be glorious and not be in the glory? Absolutely. There's dimensions to it. But I'm just saying there's a deeper place. There's a sweeter place. Uh, there's a more intimate place. There's a more protective place. There's a greater place. Show it so be when it passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and, and cover you with my hand while I pass by. It's probably the ultimate stiff arm. Can you see God just like, I don't think so. But he's putting his hand on him and he's still passing by, okay? You're not out of his reach. Verse 23. This is going somewhere. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So there's a place, but sometimes he'll remove that place. 
We cannot sit in a sanctuary and lay on our face all day, all night, and think we can just dwell in the glory and just have these glory times and not get up and go do something. All this is based off of Moses was saying, I don't know who's going to go with me. You think you may say, well, you sound pretty sharp there, Pastor Greg, saying you're going, I don't know who's going with me, but I can't sit around and wait for who's going with me. I'm called to lead, not corral. Not to spend all the time out there trying to bring this one in and bring that one in. But that's what the church has gotten used to is somebody, a pastor, always having to go out there and corral the sheep and get them in here and get them in. And next thing you know, you're like, oh, there's another one over here. And they have no glory time. They have no glory time. But we, we can't just spend our time soaking, praying, and worshiping. We need to take that outside of here. Amen? And reach the loss and win souls. And, and that's where the life of Jesus, Jesus stood at the rock. He sits at the rock. Jesus is the right hand of God, but he came down to reach the world. We have got to have an extension, an expression of the life of Jesus to reach the loss. Amen? Verse 34, verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. And I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Okay. I think most people probably know the inference that is here. What is happening is God is saying, okay, we're going to do this again. What had happened two chapters earlier is Moses went up to meet with God. God called for him. He went up to meet with God. And while he was up there, he had had him get two tablets of stone and he put them in front of him. And God wrote the Ten Commandments on those stones. And then Moses is coming back down. He'd been up there for a while. Moses is coming back down and Aaron and all the people down there had gathered all their golden earrings and they made a golden calf and they started worshiping this idol. They started worshiping this figurine. And they said, what's become of Moses? Why is he delayed? That's kind of really where the world is right now. Even the church. Is it because God hasn't come back yet and he said he would? Because revival hasn't come or the glory. And he said, because the glory has not filled the house. We've learned to worship other things. And that's why church has transitioned so much. We worship worship more than we worship while we're worshiping. I know you probably don't, but there's others that do. You get what I'm saying? We worship pastors. We worship so many other things instead of really worshiping him. Are you with me? So when they came down and Moses saw that, he's just come out of the glory of God, just come out of the presence of God. He broke the Ten Commandments out of frustration, out of anger, and they broke. And so now he's bringing him back to the mountaintop because Moses is seeking God, coming after God. He's getting there. He says, show me your glory. He gets him back in that place. He said, when you come, bring two more tablets of stone, and I'll rewrite. I will restore. I will reconcile. I will redo. I will do it again. Everything we talk about, that's what's happening. This is a picture of revival. This is a divine picture of revival, of God restoring his people back to himself. People who are worshiping the wrong things, the wrong time, the wrong way. 
He's bringing them back. What does glory do? It brings reconciliation. It brings revival. The desire of it. Because when you desire the glory of God, you desire the presence of God. I just want you. Bring me back to the heart of worship, where it's all about you. It's not about me. Quite a few songs that have been sung for the last 20, 25 years, a lot of those songs become about us. They're more prayer requests of what God could do for us, and we feel good during worship because we're just getting the hand that feeds, not the hand that covers. He said, which you broke. So be ready in the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. Notice that point of be ready. Jeremy, be ready. We need to ready ourselves for the presence of God. We need to ready ourselves for the return, the ultimate glorious experience. And I think the house being filled with glory is just conditioning for the glorious one to return. I really do. I think when Jesus comes back, it's, it's going to be far beyond, whew, happy this is over. It's going to be way beyond that, way beyond that. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be extraordinary. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to, I mean, it's going to be intense when he comes back. He said, be ready in the morning. If you're not a morning person, I would encourage you to be one. He said, come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself. It makes me quickly think of Romans chapter 12, where Paul said, I beseech you to present yourself a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. If you go ahead and present yourself a living sacrifice, you won't have to worry about dying. You've already died of yourself. You know? It's practice. It's, it's literally living as if what he says is truth. He said, present yourself on top of the mountain. And no man, and listen, this, this, oh boy. So Moses over here, God's saying, present yourself. You know, position yourself a possibly where you could die. But he goes and he presents himself. Then Moses, and it's in Deuteronomy 34, I believe, maybe 30, uh, somewhere in that area there. God told Moses, go up on the to top of Mount Nebo and die. That's what he told him to do. So you know what Moses did? Full health, full vigor. No, you need to read it. Moses is full health, full vigor. I'm 59 years old. According to the word of God, if I spend the right proper time in the presence of God, I'll be as strong at 59 as I was at 29. Things to be protect, right, rightly protected. You say, well, I don't know. The children of Israel walked around the desert. Their clothes never wore out. Their shoes never wore out. They were, all they ate was manna. Well, I need this and I need that. All you need is God, friends. He's got to be your first and your foremost. So because Moses is trained in the presence of the glory of God, he literally goes up on the mountain in Deuteronomy, in, in uh, uh, Mount Nebo, and he dies. Didn't say he killed himself. Nobody can find his body, but he dies. He was so obedient, he could die. I know it's hard to fathom. Some of you make no sense whatsoever, and you say, that guy's crazy, we need to go to another church. We are called as Christians 
to deny ourselves and pick up our cross. One day we're going to have to die. One day we're going to have to die. Ours might be different than Moses, but the glory of God prepares you for eternity. So be ready in the morning. I encourage you guys, be ready in the morning. No man shall come up with you, and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before the mountain. So he cut the two tablets of stone. I'm going to try to hurry through this. And the first one said, Moses rose early in the morning, went up a Mount Sinai, and the Lord had, as the Lord had commanded him, and he took his hand, two tablets of stone. Notice here, the word command sounds a little militant, doesn't it? Sounds a little strong, and it, it kind of gets you a little uneasy. If I were to say, I command you, you know, you'd be like, you think you ought to command me? We have that mindset when it comes to God, too. And we have the Ten Commandments. Well, that's something that hangs on the wall. It's a whole different thing, and, and I try to memorize, memorize those. But he commanded him what to do. The next time God says something to you, it's not a suggestion. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. And anything you do in obedience to him will be good for your faith. You'll become greater in your faith, less doubting. Less confusion, being obedient. So he goes on and he says, The Lord descended, and the Lord, now the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. There's something about proclaiming his name. If he shows up and does it, there's nothing wrong with us saying, Jesus, Elohim, El Shaddai, whatever name, they're proclaiming the name. He announces himself. Why? Because he's Yahweh. He's self-sustained. You know, if a king or a queen would come in, or, or you know, like, like uh, Friday when I, you know, all rise, please, you know, and I get everybody something, you all sit down, you know, and, and everybody does it. You know, it's amazing what they'll do at a funeral, at a, at a wedding, but they won't do it at other places. But anyway, uh, so, and then you pronounce the person that walks in, the royalty, and everybody's like, oh. But the reality is, there was nobody to pronounce him, because only he could pronounce himself. He's self-sustaining. And the Lord passed before him. This is, a, this is God. This is God manifesting himself. This is glory, self-manifestation. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and about... God is praising himself. God is so glorious. And we have to encourage people to worship him. You know why? Because they've never seen him. They've never been with him. They don't know him. You cannot tell me God receives this. Have a conversation with King David. These are those who have not met him. They might have knowledge here and they worship with their thoughts. But anybody who's ever been in the presence of God, if God himself proclaims his name, the people around him will proclaim it too. He is so glorious, so magnificent, he can't help but to praise himself, to extol himself. Listen, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. And the ch He's preaching himself. 
Nobody can tell him what to do. He can tell himself what to do. We live in the day that he said, upon the children of children, and the fathers uh, visiting the guilty, the, the iniquity of the fathers, upon the children of children's children, to a third and fourth generation. He's coming to break a curse. He's coming to break a curse. This is what he does. So Moses made haste, I would too, and bowed his head towards the earth and worship. Maybe you've been in worship with me here before, you know, and you're seated there, I'm seated here, and you're like, well, it's okay for those guys. You can come up here and kneel anytime you want to. You can turn around and kneel at your seat anytime you want to, but have you ever been in worship and you're like, I think I'm, I think, should I go? I don't, and you hesitate. I'm here to tell you, if God is not a God of postponement, and he's not going to linger on things, waver on things, let's don't. You can't go wrong praising God. You can't go wrong bowing your knees. You can't go wrong shouting his name. You cannot go wrong clapping for God. You say, well, I feel like doing it while you're preaching. Then do it. Just go for it. Because we're here to glorify him. We're here to experience him. We don't want more preaching. We want more glory. All right, you can stand to your feet, and I'll give you this last little dose here. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And then he said, so happy he wasn't afraid to speak up. So happy. Then he said, if now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us. And even though we are a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us into your inheritance, dear Lord. Oh, we don't have time to go there. Listen, he's in the glory. You would think somebody in the glory, everything's fine. His number one heart Listen, the glory brings restoration and reconciliation. But his number one response is not for the people. Even though we're stiff-necked people, come to us. We have got to desire God to come to us and to do to us what needs to be done that only God can do. Restore us, repair us, return us. Verse 10. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. I stand before you in trembling and fear. I stand before you amongst men and women that I respect, that I'm honored to do life with. God is going to do marvelous and wonderful things. God is going to work extraordinary miracles and wonders in our midst. And not just ours. He's going to do it in the rock. He's going to do it in Fort Payne. He's going to do it in, in Nashville. He's going to do it in Chattanooga. He's going to do it. He's, it's not just here. But something unique will be here. Something unique. Something just kind of a one-of-a-kind thing. Why? Because he said it. He said it. We want to host his presence. Amen? Lord, we turn our hearts to you.
and ask if we have found grace in your sight, please show us your glory. Let all your goodness pass by us. Lord, may we learn how to stand on the rock and hide in the cleft. And Lord, may we not be afraid to say, more, Lord. And not just for us, but for anyone who walks in this building. May they experience the Shekinah, the Kabod, the glory of God. Father, we seek to serve you. We desire to host you. And I pray for God encounters in this sanctuary, in our lives, and in our homes. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you peace. May he give you protection. And may he give you provision. You are loved with an everlasting love. You are called and you are chosen. Do not miss his appearing. Do not miss his outpouring. Do not miss his manifestation. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God Himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.